Hello everyone, Carter here, bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass presented by Nolan Consulting Group, a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop their teams, and build sustainable growth so that business operations don't run solely through them. We want to get business owners out of the hourglass. Today's episode features NCG managing partner Brian Nolan, as well as marketing and program manager Molly Nolan. This episode is all about operational leadership. Brian and Molly discuss the different roles that people in charge of operations are responsible for. People who run ops have to take care of protecting the brand, human resources, and daily critical thinking as it pertains to problem solving. Who is developing people in your company? As you listen, consider the operations role in your company and what exactly you need out of that person on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Thanks for listening, and as always, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, depending upon when you're listening to this. Uh, I am here today with Brian Nolan, NCG Managing Partner. Uh, Brian, welcome. Thank you, Molly. Welcome as well. Thank you. So we're excited to be here today to talk about operational leadership. And Brian, this is a topic that you feel very... um, very uh, focused about, especially right now, given that we are in the heart of the busy season with the trades. This is a role that plays a major part in efficiency, productivity, uh, basically making the wheels turn. So tell me a little bit more about why this is this particular topic is hitting, hitting home for you right now. Well, you know, what I've seen over the years is um, this, this role becomes the new hourglass. So the owner has, has uh, successfully gotten themselves out of the hourglass, maybe a little bit in, as far as production goes. And they hired this head of operations and, uh, and then everything starts to run through this person. So we're gonna talk a lot about the role of operations and um, particularly the organizational structure and what they, uh, what they should be focusing on and shouldn't be uh, focusing on. Awesome. So let's get some context, Brian. When you say operational leadership, what exactly are you referring to here? Okay. So picture a uh, organizational structure, um, because that's how I grew up in business, right? I always knew where I was on the organizational structure. Um, And if you picture sort of three legs, uh, um, on the one side, you have sales and marketing, right? That's the inflow of leads and uh, closing deals. And you have a head of sales and marketing. In the middle, you have production or operations. And then and the other side, you have uh, finance administration and HR. Mm-hmm. And it almost follows a workflow of how, of how a customer goes through the life cycle. So we're, we're talking now about the middle leg of the stool and we're talking about operations. As a bigger company, uh, if you're a, a director of operations, uh, you have two components to that. We're going to talk about both inside ops and outside ops. Um, And um, inside ops, we're talking about um, a resource coordinator, right? We're talking about someone who's really good with details, logistics, the the job staging piece, uh, scheduling, customer communication, material ordering, filling out if you're using using Smartsheet, uh, starting the workflow. Then when we get the outside ops, now we're talking about a field supervisor. Okay, the field supervisor 
Um, and I want to go into a lot more detail about the field supervisor on this call, because um, this is a person who often gets stuck thinking that they run jobs. That's not their role. This is the biggest mistake we're going to explore. Their role is to develop crew leaders in trades. So today we're going to focus more on the, you said on the field supervisor side of it all. Um, but it goes without saying that the inside ops plays a very critical role in, in the play of operations and that the field, field supervisor and the head of ops cannot do their job without the efficiency of the inside ops pulling their weight. Yeah. In fact, in a future podcast, we should explore that more. Absolutely. And get into scheduling and the, and the role there. Um, because, you know, the mistake people make often is that a field supervisor can do the inside ops piece. So they put one person in, in this role to do job staging stuff, the details, spreadsheets and, and things, uh, which is very different than the, than the field supervisor who is out there. And I feel like a different type of person as well, oh, yeah. different, different role, different type of person who's going to succeed in either of those positions. And, and so it's good. You know, people often ask me, you know, uh, growth, how big should I grow? Um, and I, I would say grow as big as you need to fill the roles in your organization that best serve your company, you know, like be big enough maybe so you can have an inside ops person doing all that detailed stuff and doing that well because that's your brand. Um, but let, let's hit the outside um, field supervisor. So, you know, I, I run two peer groups. I run two field peer groups. Um, and I, I have some ops people um, that do inside, but mostly I have outside field leaders. And what we're talking about is these are the people that protect your brand, right? First and foremost, because your customers experience a brand. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, and we're talking about, about safety, which, which is part of your brand. We're talking about training employees is a, a major role. And I need the field supervisor to partner usually with human resources from a tracking standpoint. We're talking about culture, man, the uh, culture of your entire field cascades down from the field supervisor. We're talking about a person who understands that a problem that happens every day is an opportunity for them to coach and develop crew leaders to solve problems. What happens a lot is a field supervisor becomes the king problem solver mm. and they run around. And if they're not doing that, they become delivery boy and they're delivering materials from place to place to place. We often coach and teach around situational leadership. And um, this is what I, I'd like to see more of. I'd like to see more of field leaders understanding what's also known as SL2, situational leadership, so they can develop their, their crews. Um, but they, they have to focus on developing people, working themselves out of a job, if you will. It's interesting. I never really realized that I think until this moment, when you talked about how much the field leadership represents the brand, because not only are they 
the leadership for the field and for the guys out there doing the work every day who are interacting with the customers. Uh, when issues happen, the field leader, you know, and when the customer wants to talk to a, a manager or leadership, it's going right to the field leadership first. It's not going, it should not go directly to the owner. That's owner should be the last resort. Um, so from a culture standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a brand standpoint, from a from customer facing to the field, they're kind of your everything. So if they're not matching who you, your values or who you believe should be leading your company, if let's say if you were gone for a week, then they're not the person you want in that role. Man, it's a, it's it's how are these people treating your people, and uh, so getting the right person in, in there. As an owner, if you're listening to this this podcast, make sure your field leader makes uh, judgment calls um, like you would. Teach them how to solve problems with with crew leaders. Teach them how to treat people because you know the number one reason why people leave a company is why, Ma. Because of their bosses or their managers. Nope. They don't nope. like them. They don't like their boss. They don't feel respected. They don't feel mm -hmm. like they're cared for. I know wage is an issue right now, um, but let's let us not forget that if people feel relevant, cared for, supported, someone's developing them, someone's developing them, uh, they they may not leave. Um, so such an important role, um, and of course, let us not forget forget hiring of people involved in that role. There is a lot of stuff running through this individual. And it is a stressful role. So speaking of all of the things that are running through this individual, what are the KPIs that an ops leader should be accountable for? And then there's, I know there's a bunch. There are, you know, and let's really differentiate um, sales from revenue, okay? Sales goals, revenue goals. Um, we know sales and marketing is responsible for sales dollars. But those are contracts signed. Um, the operations leader is responsible for build revenue. They need to know how much revenue to bill in a month. And if they don't know this, then they're just operating blindly. They need to know um, how many hours need to be billed in a month. Uh, they own revenue first and four months, most. They own gross profit percentage. Uh, this is revenue minus cost of goods sold. Um, productivity. Productivity is a KPI, I think, that is not talked about enough. Productivity is budgeted hours divided by actual hours. So uh, sales, sales, and they give a job scope, and there's so many hours assigned. Let's take all those jobs in a month. And um, how did the field do against all those hours, productivity, 100%, they're right on. 102%, they came in under budget. 95%, they came in over budget. So this is an important um, metric and it's not often understood, but it's so simple. Budgeted hours divided by actual hours, all the jobs. And then let's, let's cascade that down. Let's do a productivity by crew leader all the jobs that they ran, budgeted hours divided by actual hours. Let's also talk about um, revenue per hour, RPH, um, for every hour worked, how much revenue is coming in. This is quite simply revenue 
build divided by the field payroll hours. Let's talk about gross profit per hour, which is quite simply the gross profit um, in the month uh, divided by the hours worked, field payroll hours. Let's talk about the net promoter score, NPS. This is not a, a well understood customer service metric, um, but it, it is the most universal customer service metric across all industry. NPS is quite simply uh, the percent of promoters um, minus the percent of detractors. Uh, answering the question on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to refer us to a friend, peer, or family member? Um, so that's pretty important because if you're not willing to refer a company, then you didn't do a good job. So there's really, that's, that's the one question that's the only question you really need to make this happen. Because we know the promoters, the ones who are happy, are certainly happy to share your information with a friend or a family member. We also know that detractors, the people who weren't so happy, are also a very loud voice in the room. Yeah, yeah. I, I often say these are the people at the bus stop and, and they're saying, hey, you know, you got to hire Nolan Painting. They're amazing. They just did this and that. Or these are the people at the bus stop saying, you don't want to hire them and uh, your brand goes from there. Um, so change the, change the bus stop to social media and Facebook platform. And <laughs> that's where it gets very, very messy. So you want, you want your, uh, the people who like you uh, to be louder than the voices that don't like you. So this is your, this is your brand experience. And so if you, if you really think about it, head of hops is responsible for the brand experience of your entire business. Um, it's the hardest job to hire for, I will tell you that. Um, and I will also tell you that uh, it does not need to be someone with a particular trade experience. It needs to be someone who is a manager, someone, and it could be um, someone who ran some operation somewhere else who understands metrics you know, logistics. Um, I often uh, refer to people like uh, Nicole Hannock at Painters USA, who came from um, a very large builder um, and understands understands operations. There's just so many moving parts. So you need to have someone in, in that role who can handle the moving parts with ease and also be looking ahead. Yeah, and be and be an enforcer with people, mm -hmm. right? You can't have someone who's timid. Um, you know, like there there are things like safety. I mean, this is a good time as as all the trades are going outside, and uh, that you know you, you hear safety first. But this this has to this person needs to make sure that safety is a culture, not just a obligation to do a safety huddle, but that there's true caring. Um, uh, you know, where I sit, uh, the amount of incidences that I hear about make me nauseous at times. And um, safety is not important until it is. And so uh, we need to change priorities there. To that end, we're actually gonna be doing a safety focused podcast in a couple of weeks 
with Connell Mulraney, field ops at Nolan Painting, um, and Paul Cook from Painters USA, president of Painters USA, um, to get that commercial and residential uh, conversation going around the safety safety focus and what role ops plays in that. Um, so you just teed that up nicely for us. Yes, good. Let's let's just talk a little bit about Connell. Um, good old Connell. Connell's my friend, and I him and I banter well together. Um, and uh, I, I really, Connell, if you're, if you're hearing this, I, I have the utmost respect for how Connell does his job. Um, he, he has the ability um, to um, bring in a team of people that both love and fear him. And in fact, you need a little bit of both. The fear comes about it, you know, I wouldn't want to disappoint Connell. Um, but his profile is one that I often I speak about in, in DISC, right? Mm-hmm. You know his profile, Mal? I actually don't, um, but I'm curious now that I have an yeah. idea, but I'm curious. He's definitely an I. So, well, he, he's actually, naturally, he's a DC. So, you know, in DISC, D-I-S-C. Yeah. Um, so the D is direct. That's a scary um, profile. <laughs> well, it, it is until you adapt your I up. Okay. Right. So what he does is he adapts his uh, influence up. So he understands that um, I need to build a team of people. Um, I need to uh, compliment people, thank people. Um, and so, so, the, so, so the C is the detail. The C is protecting the brand, worried about it. The D is not afraid to be direct and say everything. When you raise your eye up, your influence, then uh, you understand that the way you give feedback matters, right? Um, and also customer um, discussions and how you work with them matters. And I should clarify why I call it scary. It's because it's a person who is very aware of the details, knows what, has their finger on what, on the, has their finger on um, or the pulse on what's happening. And it's also from their deep perspective, not afraid to tell you how they feel. And so it's a very powerful disc profile. And clearly in this role, Connell holds it and does it very well. Um, I, but I think it's that adapted eye that if you don't adapt your eye or you haven't thought about adapting your eye, um, maybe it's something to be considering that you need to be focusing on because if you just have all the fear and you don't have any of, of that relationship skill, um, you're also not going to succeed in this position. Oh, the culture you, goes downhill. The completely. Goes downhill. Yeah. Yeah. You know, his, um, his also, he had to lower his C and raise his I. So the C doesn't want to make a mistake. So a lot of times it, a DC profile will jump in and do it themselves. Cause if you want it done right, do it yourself. Um, so the, what happened with him is years ago, Kevin asked him to write down all of his systems. And what ended up happening is a lot of the way Connell did things as a high C um, got uh, integrated into how Nolan Painting does things from a job management uh, checklist, pre-job, you know, scripting is really important here. Um, I do want to mention one more thing about about, uh, my uh, conversations with Connell, then we'll move on past Connell. Um, Spend too much time on him already. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. We, we love we you, Connell. We talked about problem solving um, all the time, and a lot of times the operations role gets—they just become king problem solver. 
Um, but I, we said often that you need to uh, push down problem solving, right? You need to cascade that down leadership at every level. So a, a, a statistic that Connell and I say is 99 and one, 90% of problems should be solved by a crew leader. 9% of the problems should be solved by the field leader, this operations role. 1% of the problems would go to the owner. That'd be an ideal, right? I mean, ultimately. So, uh, the, so the field leader needs to understand how to solve problems, right? Needs to teach crew leaders how to solve problems, right? How to get ahead of that, how to not overreact how to uh, really keep the promise of what your business is offering customers. My assumption is that that rule is not completely a reality right now in the lives of many uh, trades companies out there. That's a tough, it's a tough, um, tough kind of standard to abide by, but it's certainly a goal. Um, and I can see a lot of owners and, and field leaders out there uh, wanting to reach that goal because think about how much weight that takes off your shoulders if you are teaching the crew leaders to solve problems on their own. And then you, and through that, you're developing them, That's uh, right. which is great. Okay. Brian, I wanted to go back to just the KPIs question. Uh, you mentioned a handful there. Uh, and I don't know from what you've seen if Company, most companies that we work with are tracking all of those KPIs. Um, for a company out there who's maybe not tracking a lot of KPIs, but getting into uh, looking at their numbers and their KPIs on a monthly basis, what would be the top three of those that you feel are the most important KPIs to get started with if you're not doing so already? All right. So, I mean, the first one is, is the field leaders need to understand um, the feet on the street hours, the feet on the street payroll hours this month. How many hours uh, do I need to field in order for the revenue to happen? I think that is really key. Bringing in operations into what we call the revenue cookbook, I think is huge. Productivity has to be number two. Um, jobs, you know, jobs over, jobs under, just are, are they understanding um, how to manage, how to teach their people how to manage jobs. See, mm -hmm. I, I almost said that. Mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of these leaders think they have to manage jobs, um, which means that they need to get involved in helping crew leaders sequence and plan and teach crew leaders how to plan. No one's denying that crew leaders work hard, but I might deny often that we don't teach crew leaders how to step back and do more planning. Are we doing drills like putting projects up there and, and talking as a group about best approaches, when to use an apprentice, et cetera. Um, and then the third one would have to be a customer service one, right? Whether you use the, the NPS, like I said, or report mm -hmm. cards or Google reviews. Um, but if we ignore that, then we're missing the happy part of the happy and under that you wanna bring jobs in happy and under, not just under, because if you're not bringing in them happy, uh, you won't have many jobs to bring in under. Fantastic. One thing I just want to um, clarify what you 
said there in terms of the customer service, uh, always be going after the NPS and those online reviews. The NPS is more for your internal review of the satisfaction of the job, but it's those online reviews, Google, Yelp, um, even on social media, Facebook, that are really going to be the ones that are speaking to your, your demographic of potential customers. Yes. And I, I know uh, Kevin pays attention a lot to both of those. The yes. reviews he gets, uh, he was just here this, this week. I'm down in Florida working and he gets every review he gets an email on. And, uh, and you better believe he reads every one of them. Yes, he does. And if it's a, if it's a bad review um, or if it's a, a six out of 10 or less, he actually calls the customer and he makes it right. Interesting. And, uh, pretty much wants to know what it will, what it will take to, for the person to take the Google review down because we're here to make you happy. Um, so that's a pretty important piece here. Absolutely. Well, Brian, of all those the challenges that are out there and the KPIs that we're tracking, how um, how are op leaders able to assess themselves and understand where they're at or where they can improve? Is there is there a tool out there or a system that they can be using to kind of help them get on that path? Yeah, so uh, we should make this available uh, to people. We we've got a um, a field leadership self assessment tool where you can rank yourself uh, on a whole bunch of uh, these things that we um, talked about. Let me hit a few items here that, that I think are the biggest challenges, right? I, th I think the biggest challenge is, is time management. I hear this all, all the time. You know, we're, uh, we're reacting all the time. We're not proacting. Uh, we're working on the have tos instead of the want tos. We're working on the prevent pain tasks instead of the gain tasks. And so really working your calendar is, is so important. Plan your calendar, work your calendar, understand where you're being delivery boy, understand where you're, you're the one solving problems, not teaching other people how to solve problems. Um, I, need, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the importance of training culture and that uh, you feel leaders own this in any training program you put in place is not going to go anywhere unless you have imparted the importance of a training culture on your team. You need to demand a training culture. We are a, a development organization that brings in people. Um, another challenge I see is the ability to give direct feedback. I give feedback, I give feedback often. I give more good feedback than bad feedback. People do more right than they do wrong. Get good at giving, giving feedback. Um, I talked about planning and teaching how to do uh, a, job, a job planned out well. Another big area challenge that I see is the inability of companies to do really good pushback on the sales team, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I was actually gonna ask you um, that, relationship between the sales team and field. Um, you know, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's a love hate, but there's definitely some, some love and some struggle days, uh, based upon, you know, hours and pushback. So it takes, you know, a leader to be able to both respect that relationship. Um, but how does someone navigate that? 
how are we coaching field leaders to navigate that relationship? Well, you know, I, uh, when you, when you speak about that, I, I have this image in my mind of uh, Connell Moraney uh, walking down the hall to Jim Falk's office in sales and giving him a, a pink slip, which is a pushback slip and, and Jim Falk's face getting red. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he, he knows it's coming. And um, the, the first thing I'll say about this is, is conflict between sales and operations is part of the program. It, it, it just strives to make a um, company better. Understand that sales is trying to be the, the most competitive it can be. Production is trying to be the most efficient it, it can be. And without that uh, push and pull, uh, um, that won't happen. And so I think serving on, um, on committees together where production rates can be developed and uh, debated about how long something should take to do um, expect that and it, it, it becomes, it, it needs to be okay to have that conflict and it needs to not be okay to avoid it and have conflict and understand it's about the issue, not about the people. I think that's that, having a pushback system or whatever you want to call it um, to give sales, I mean, sorry, to give the field um, a system to challenge a very often aggressive sales team and in fact intimidating sales team because they're they're naturally often DIs and DISC. So they could be pretty intimidating, um, which is why I think a DC profile helps in confronting a salesperson. Let's go head to head a bit. But I think it's right to have a formal process that doesn't make it feel like it's a um, a personal pushback. It's a it's a professional pushback and there's a system in which we handle this uh, is best for both, both departments. Yeah. It, you know, it, it would be really good to have uh, Connell and Jim on a podcast to talk about the dynamics between a sales team and an operations team. Uh, I think that that's a future podcast waiting to happen. Do you know that you just gave me two podcast ideas in, in this particular podcast? I love when that happens. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. The more I talk about this, the more interesting it gets. You know, we have the privilege of working with 122 businesses. So you get to see, you get to see inside of organizations and um, having effective systems and operations to balance off the sales systems is pretty important. So Brian, I think we've hit a lot of different components here. We've hit, you know, why it's important. We've hit the KPIs. We've hit the challenges, um, the type of person. As we as we kind of bring this to an end here, uh, I, I think a great takeaway would be for those owners out there who, um, you know, have a field person in a position who has the potential for leadership. Kind of what's what's the next best step? Is it is it a one-on-one -on -one conversation to help create the career path and help them understand, you know, what the job actually entails? Um, all, how does someone take these ideas that we just spoke about and kind of these standards for operational leadership and actually begin to make it happen within their business? So as, as an owner, um, I, we suggest to you to, to sit down with the person leading your operations and do a individual development plan, we call them an IDP, um, so that 
this role can grow with your company. So companies grow fast these days. And we somehow think that maybe a crew leader, we made a field, a field supervisor, right? When we were a $600,000 business or a $1 million business, we somehow think they're just gonna naturally grow with us mm-hmm. in terms of their own development. Um, but what they may have um, shortfalls on is this whole people development, emotional intelligence, situational leadership. So when you sit down and do a development plan, we're talking about what books they're gonna read. Uh, we're talking about um, how they are developing their people. So what, what I'd like is to see owners having conversations with field leaders about how they're, they're developing their people. What often happens is they're having conversations about how the jobs are going. I wanna know how the people development's going. It might require sep- are creating two separate meetings, one where we talk about the jobs and then one where we talk about you. Yeah, totally. Define, when, define that time. And, and I want, when I talk about, when I talk to my operations leader, I want, I want that person to tell me about their people. I want an operations leader to know their people inside and out. I want them to know what, I want them to know their, their crew leaders, home life, hobbies, dislikes, likes, passions, struggles. Um, I want my operations leader to care and know so much about the, those people. So there you have your first step. Have those, have those conversations, begin working on the IDPs. Uh, Brian, thanks so much. I think there's a lot of great takeaways from this conversation. And clearly uh, this is only the beginning as we begin to discuss more of so the inside ops and then let's get Connell and Jim on here to talk about the sales ops relationship. Brian, anything else you'd like to add in here before we, we call it a day? Just that I, I, I just look at my notes as I discuss this and we can pull out a lot of areas that will be a future podcast. I mean, I could see protecting the brand being a future mm-hmm. podcast as well and how that all, all works. Um, certainly culture in general needs to be a podcast and how um, this role does that. Think about it. This role is protecting the culture of your business and the customer relationships. That's a big job. Look hard for this person. Don't settle. Uh, the person's out there somewhere. You may think it's a unicorn, all those all those things that I just said. Um, but if you keep searching, you'll find your unicorn. Thanks, Ma. Thank you. Everyone, have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.